At this point, every information portal is saturated with mindfulness content. But this show is a unique, unusual, curious take on mindfulness. Some of what you hear will be completely new to you. Let's dive in and take a look at the nature of the aware mind. I invite you to deepen your awareness so that you may be liberated and inspired. I'm Sarah Vallely, professional coach. I help people overcome anxiety, heal from past trauma, improve their relationships, and maintain better work-life balance. Hello, listeners. I have a great guest here today. We have Brianna Cuthrell. She is a licensed social worker, and she has her own private therapy practice here in Asheville. So glad you're here. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Our episode today is about how to soothe ourselves with mindfulness when we have intrusive thoughts or worry. Intrusive thoughts are unwanted thoughts or images or impulses, and they can sometimes make us question our stability. They might make us question our mental health, not to mention cause feelings of shame. 90% of the population experiences intrusive thoughts, And many people are hesitant to reveal or disclose these intrusive thoughts to other people. But the research does show that most of us, we do experience intrusive thoughts. So here are some examples of intrusive thoughts. Thinking about swerving your car into incoming traffic, thinking about images of hurting a loved one, thinking about catching a disease, thinking about leaving an appliance running that might cause a fire, thinking about religious dilemmas or having impulses to do something inappropriate. As far as how intrusive thoughts relate to worry, this is the way I would describe it. We have an intrusive thought. So that's one part of the experience is this this random thought that comes in. And then the second part of the experience is the fear that comes up around that. We might have a fear of the thought being true. We might have a fear of whatever it is we're thinking about actually happening. And then there's a third component, which could be the worrying that we, the worry is the way that we might respond to the fear. It might be the way that we respond to the intrusive thoughts, or for some that might be more obsessive thinking might be the way that they respond to the fear and to the intrusive thought. But if we can step in and use a tool and work with the fear, then we might be able to avoid the worry. Yeah, I think, you know, intrusive thoughts absolutely just can come out of nowhere. I think it can be from a past experience that somebody may have had. And in those cases, especially with those with post-traumatic stress disorder, is really getting them to feel safe again. And so sometimes that can be trying to pull yourself back into the present moment of like, okay, I had this intrusive thought, like, I'm fearful that this is going to happen. But what am I doing right now to stay safe? What around me is safe? Is it my front door's locked? No one's going to kick in the door. I'm okay. I think also if it's not necessarily a memory from the past and it's just something that pops up out of nowhere, being able to use tools, you know, like using your five senses, five things you can see, four things, you know, you can touch, three things you can hear, two things you can smell, and one thing you can taste, right? Like to bring yourself back into the present moment. Sometimes I say, just pick out five things that are blue. Yeah, those are some great redirection exercises. Do you think that somebody with anxiety would have the intrusive thoughts and they will need more support to 
to ease themselves through that without moving into you know, more increased anxiety. With the intrusive thoughts, it's also about figuring out like what's the intrusive thought and then what's the negative self-talk that you might experience or that negative thought pattern that might be there that may not even have to do with anxiety, but that anxiety gets tied in, especially with the teenagers that I work with. The classmates looking down at the ground and then all of a sudden that negative self-talk is like, oh my gosh, they're looking at my shoes. They're looking at my shoes. They're ugly. I'm not matching today. I can never find the right shoes to wear and I'm not good at styling my clothes and she's dressed better than I am. And you go down this like rabbit hole of, of worry and angst. And in that situation, it's really about where's the evidence to support that? What evidence do you truly have to say that this person's judging your shoes because they looked at the ground. In that moment, if it's, you know, standing up, go to the trash can and come back to get yourself back into the present. Because when you're having the intrusive thought, it's either something that's already happened or it's something that you're fearful that will happen. So what I'm hearing is that reality check is really important. Check in with, you know, is this really the reality or is this something maybe I'm making up in my head? Am I making this story up in my head? And then also that bringing yourself into the present moment. That's a great idea of just taking a walk across the room, something like that, to just shift your senses to this present moment. So we're not thinking about what just happened or or what might happen in, in the moments to follow. Yeah, those are great suggestions. I love the metaphor of the beach ball for our intrusive thoughts. So a beach ball, you can imagine we push it under the water and the more we push it under the water, as soon as we turn around, it's just going to pop right back out. So that's how we can think about our intrusive thoughts. You know, the more that we shove them away and push them away, we inevitably will create this experience where they might come back with even more force. The research shows that mindfulness practice reduces the number of intrusive thoughts that we have. A mindfulness practice might be simply closing your eyes, you're sitting, your eyes are closed, and you're taking some breaths, you're breathing, you're noticing your breath, you're noticing how your breath feels in your body, you're noticing the muscles in your body that are allowing you to breathe, you might be noticing how your shoulders move with your breath, something like that. So that might be a a mindfulness practice that could help reduce your intrusive thoughts. And the reason that the experts think that this practice reduces intrusive thoughts is one, you learn how to be less judgmental. So in that practice of sitting there and listening to your breath, noticing your breath, you find some compassion for your experience, practice not judging how good you are at paying attention to your breath, trying not to judge yourself for those distracting moments, helping you with that judgmental part, which I think would play in with this cycle of intrusive thoughts because you often jump into this self-judgment about having the thought, like, you know, this thought came out of my psyche. Maybe there's something wrong with me. And so that's something that mindfulness can really help us step away from. Another aspect of mindfulness that is helpful is this practice can help us not get caught up in the story of what we're thinking. And the practice can help us be more accepting of what comes up in our psyche instead of rejecting what comes up. This is something that my psyche just randomly created. It might be because of past trauma, it might be a hormonal something going on, but just accepting that this is part of your process in that moment. And the other thing that the mindfulness practice really helps with is view your thinking 
as temporary, that this situation that you're in with this thought, yes, in this moment, it might be happening, but in a few minutes, you know, that it could be completely dissolved. I really like that I kept hearing the word moments, the waves come in, and then they go back out. It's not a wave that then creates a tsunami and destroys everything around it. If you can even envision that wave going in and out while you're doing your breathing, or the clouds are moving in the sky very slowly. In the moment, it feels like it's like this huge, crushing, debilitating thought. But if you're able to remind yourself, like it is a moment, it will pass, it will ebb and flow. And that's okay. And and I like how you are saying to accept it and not to push it down or have that shame around it. And, and to be able to say like, yeah, I just had that thought and it really sucked. That was a moment, but I, I got through that moment and using breath work and, and using imagery can be really helpful in those situations. I practice a strategy. It's called the container. You can make whatever container you want, but it's only one way in and one way out. They describe what that container looks like. And is it plastic or is it metal? Is it, you know, like what color is it? And that's where they keep all of these thoughts. This is more for like people that have had a traumatic experience and then needing to talk about it because they're having those intrusive thoughts. It's one way in and one way out because you're only going to take one thing out at a time. So you're going to take it out. We're going to talk about it. And then it goes back in. Taking this out, processing it and then being able to put it back in. With intrusive thoughts, it can be really scary. In this moment, like, how are you safe? Are you comfortable where you're sitting? Does, do you need to sit up against a wall and not sit with your back against a door or a window? I like to give all the tools, and then whichever ones are most helpful for them, they can use. I find if I give my clients five different options, there's usually one or two that they really grasp onto. Yeah. So I love this container idea. I imagine you do this during the therapy session and they will bring out of the container a an intrusive thought that they might have had earlier in the week. And when you process through it, I'm imagining that you talk about the fear, how they felt unsafe and how they can feel safe. And then the shame that might come up and how to kind of correct that shame. Is that Are those some of the ways that you process through it? Yes, absolutely. And, and really it's to when we're processing through it, it's to make this big fear less fearful, take the power out of it. And I think by processing it and just taking one thing out at a time can be really helpful as opposed to trying to talk about all of it at once. And in essence, like getting re-traumatized can just be helpful to just take one thing out at a time and process through it. And so it just doesn't feel as big. This strategy reminds me of a Buddhist technique. We call it form versus content. And it's not exactly the same, but it has some similarities. And with this technique called form versus content, what we do is some thoughts that are just extremely distracting during our meditation or even just during the day. We imagine those thoughts in some symbol, and it needs to be a symbol that really represents those thoughts. So if my thoughts are like aggravating thoughts, maybe something I'm aggravated about, then my symbol might be a prickly ball. I imagine that those thoughts are the the prickly ball instead of the cognitive representation of those thoughts. And so it allows you to sit there and continue your meditation with still having that energy there, but not have it be as distracting. And so the reason it's called form versus content is content is the story of the thoughts, but form is that symbolic, maybe abstract form that those thoughts can, can take. 
adding on to that, it's almost like that prickly ball comes out of the container and we're taking the little like prickly things off mm-hmm. and then we're putting the ball back in the container. Uh-huh. What happened to you is still something that happened to you. That's not just going to disappear, but let's take little prickly things out of it and make it a little bit more manageable for you and in, in your world. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a good metaphor for that process. We are going to take a 30 second break. You have asked for it and it is here, a free monthly TSD mindfulness online meditation group. Join us every third Saturday at 10 a.m. New York time, which is 3 p.m. London time. You will receive instruction, participate in discussion, and experience a guided meditation. Register at T as in tame, S as in soothe, D as in dwell, mind as in mindfulness.org. And we're back. You might decide to practice some mindfulness for maybe even just 10 minutes a day. It doesn't have to be a long time. See if adding that meditation into your day does affect your um, experience with intrusive thoughts um, over time. Another approach is maybe not when you're meditating, just during the day, uh, name the thinking. We call this the practice of noting and mindfulness. And also be really mindful of the shame that you might go into about the experience. Like, oh, what's wrong with me? Why am I thinking this? And it's really important to correct that shame and give yourself compassion, reminding yourself that no, there is nothing wrong with me. This is a natural human phenomenon that that this happens and validating your experience. You know, I've been through trauma. And so this, this particular type of intrusive thought is natural to be occurring. When you're not dysregulated or you're not having an intrusive thought, just take five, 10 minutes a day and just do that meditation so that then it becomes muscle memory mm-hmm. to access when you are having that experience because you've already practiced it and can go right back to it as opposed to trying to learn it while you're dysregulated can be really hard. Uh, So important. Yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up. It is good to practice any of these things when you're not triggered so you can build your confidence and that's great. Intrusive thoughts can trigger us into fight or flight, especially if you have an anxiety disorder. So calming your nervous system is also really pertinent to this conversation that we're having. We can be triggered into fight or flight for so many different reasons, more reasons that I think people realize. One way that we can become more mindful of that is tuning into our body. Our body will react, feel a certain way when we're in fight or flight. Our abdominal muscles might be strained if it, we've been in fight or flight for a, a little bit more of an extended period of time, we might start feeling it in our chest or our throat. So those are some ways to know that you are in fight or flight. I like to talk about the three major things that push us into fight or flight. And one is physical safety. So some of our intrusive thoughts might bring up that fear of physical safety. The other is emotional stability intrusive thoughts might bring up concern about our emotional stability and that we might go into some really uncomfortable emotional experiences. And the third is the way people perceive us. And we might have an intrusive thought that has to do with someone judging us, someone judging our skills or our integrity. Brianna, what would you say about this connection between fight or flight and intrusive thoughts and worry in general? So there's fight, flight, freeze, and then fawn. Those all can tie back into that worry 
that negative self-talk or the intrusive thoughts. And so with fawning, you're constantly saying yes, but if I say no, then they're going to hate me or they're not going to ask me again, or I'm going to be the worst person ever. Fight or flight, it can also be how that person perceives someone else. It might not be true, but our trauma response is to do something to protect ourselves. Worry comes into play because then we have all these judgments about ourselves and worrying about what the other person thinks and what it looks like and being able to identify what our response is and how we can work within it and accept it. This response of fawning is so important for us to be mindful of if it's something that we are experiencing on a regular basis. My last episode was actually all about that and such an important conversation. So when you were bringing up the fawning response in relation to intrusive thoughts and worry, an example of that might be in an interaction with someone and during the interaction with someone, we might have an intrusive thought or we might be to become worried about something. And then we might get triggered into that fawning, which is like just an uncontrollable urge to people please. Right. And so Mm -hmm. we might commit to more than is healthy for us. I think it's so important to be mindful that this whole thing is going on, right. Being really tuned into our body and saying, Whoa, I'm in fawning right now, or I'm in freeze right now, or I'm in flight right now. And then to have the education that you are talking about, Brianna, to be able to soothe yourself. And so some of the things that that I do personally and work with my clients on to soothe themselves when they're in this state is affirmations of safety, something like I am safe, even though I am having this intrusive thought, I'm safe, even though I'm worried about this. If you are worried about how someone is judging you, maybe just simply saying, I'm respected more than I know, just to kind of ease yourself on a physical level, soothe your nervous system. It's amazing how just a simple affirmation like that can really do wonders for your nervous system does mean you have to take a pause. Like even if you're in interaction with someone, you do have to take this pause, whether you kind of excuse yourself for a few moments or putting your phone down for a few moments and taking this pause. And and the other affirmation that's so helpful is right now it's like this. And the right now is reminding you that yes, right now I am in freeze mode. Yeah, right now I am, but in five minutes I might not be, and tomorrow I might not be. So that affirmation right now it's like this, reminding yourself of that temporariness of it and that it's like this is really that radical acceptance, really accepting that yes, this is what's going on because sometimes when we're just fighting the experience, we just actually amplify it. Say it multiple times, you know, like to, to really get your brain to to hear it and to feel that right now it's this is going on, but it's temporary. I think taking space is great too. you know, take yourself out of the situation for a couple moments to like gather yourself, take your breath, then being able to go back to the conversation and seeing how different maybe it will feel. Yeah. And if you commit to doing that on a regular basis, you really can retrain your nervous system and your nervous system will start to calm itself down um, on its own. So it's really, really important to do that. The interesting thing about intrusive thoughts and worry are they often are an indicator of our biggest fears. Identifying what your fears are and taking a look at them and being curious, taking them one at a time out of the container to unpack them and find some safety around them is really helpful for this whole process. 
fear is not optional. I think that we're human beings. We're designed to experience fear. It's not something that we can get away from experiencing. But I believe the worry part is optional. The worry part is our response to the fear. And so if we do the fear work, which for me means taking a look at that fear, being curious about it, moving into acceptance, validation about it, then we can often avoid the worry cycle. We can avoid going into into that worry, validate your experience of that fear. You might say things to yourself like, it is understandable that I'm afraid of being alone. I have abandonment trauma to validate your experience rather than move into shame about it, try to push it away and validating that fear that comes up. Move into some surrender and self-acceptance. I'm going to love and accept myself, even though this is a fear that comes up for me. And, and that can be extremely healing. And just like what you were saying earlier, Brianna, it takes the power out of it. So what's the worst case scenario that can happen? And nine out of 10 times, they'll say whatever their worst case scenario is out loud. And they just have this look on their face like, okay, it's I guess it really isn't as big or as bad as like I was making it in my head. And so even with that, it could be, you're going to be okay regardless. I'm going to be okay regardless of whatever that fear is. Mm -hmm. Being able to understand that you're fearful. This isn't, you know, as big as my brain and my thoughts are making this out to be. I'm I'm going to be okay regardless because I'm going to do, you know, X, Y, and Z. And again, it takes that power out of it and it puts you back into that control of being able to manage your thoughts and feelings and emotions around what that fear is. Because I think a lot of times when we're fearful or we're worrying, it creates that anxious thinking. You can't worry yourself out of mm-hmm. that fear accepting it and and realizing like you're going to be okay regardless. What would you say is the connection between intrusive thoughts or the anxiety that we have about intrusive thoughts or even our shame that comes up around our intrusive thoughts and and how that relates to past trauma? Is it sometimes caused by past trauma, for example? Yes. I mean, it absolutely can be caused by past trauma. I think when we experience a certain emotion from that intrusive thought, can bring us back to that trauma when we experience that emotion back when we had the trauma. And so then it's almost like your brain's firing and connecting again to that trauma because that's the experience of the person or that intrusive thought and emotion being attached. And so when we look at intrusive thoughts in the present, when the trauma's already happened, that's in the past and being able to really work on what those intrusive thoughts are and how they impact us now, we're trying to break that emotional piece that sometimes our body and our brains attach to that past trauma. People who have PTSD, they have these thoughts that are like carbon copies of what happened, but Mm -hmm. it's happening now. Definitely an intrusive thought because it can cause so much fear and worry and anxiety and it can be really difficult, but healable, really, really with the right support, you know, working with the right people, you, you can heal through that. Well, Brianna, thank you so much for having this conversation on the air here with me today. It's been wonderful. 
Uh, thank you so much for all your valuable advice and experience that you've had with your clients. Tell us a little bit more about what you do in your private practice and how people can get a hold of you. I'm the owner of Born to Bend Mental Health and Wellness. It's a private practice in Asheville, North Carolina, and I do a lot of CBT and DBT work. I work with adolescents, young adults, adults as well, navigating life transitions, depression, anxiety. And I also am certified in EMDR, so I can do a lot of the trauma work and really getting to the core of some of the traumas that clients have experienced. Are there certain diagnoses that you specialize in? Generalized anxiety, depression, PTSD, younger kids, ADHD, adjustment disorders, that kind of cluster of diagnoses. And I love the name of your business, Born to Bend. You know what? Like you can't do therapy wrong and you're going to bend in all sorts of different ways through life and learning how to bend in those situations. My website is www.borntobendcounseling.com. And then I also have Facebook where you can also just look up Born to Bend and it should pop up. The Instagram handle is at Born to Bend AVL. And you can find me there as well. And I will hyperlink your website in the show notes. The Aware Mind Podcast is a TSD mindfulness production. Please check out our show notes for upcoming events and links to additional resources. Please visit our website at tsdmind.org. That is T as in tame, S as in soothe, D as in dwell, mind as in mindfulness.org. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at tsd underscore mindfulness.